Hello, welcome to the Life Done Differently podcast with me, Neil Whitten, and my co-host Ray Richards. Join us on our journey to find out what separates the doers from the thinkers. Hello and welcome to our conversation with Peter Levels. Peter is the man behind nomadlist.com, remoteok.com, inflationchart.com, rebase.co and much more. Peter is hard to describe if you're after an old world description. He's most certainly a business guy and a software developer guy, but he works remotely. Sometimes he charges for his creations, sometimes he doesn't. He does his best to, in his own words, practice radical honesty with himself and others. He's unafraid to experiment, to play, and learned as a student that doing something different can have unexpected and very rewarding consequences. He works with a few trusted friends, but creatively, he's the man. Neil has been telling me for six months that a conversation with Peter would be fun and interesting. He was right. Peter is in charge of himself. He's not going with the flow unless it serves him. He's not short of money, but he doesn't own a home, and his laptop seems to be as extravagant as it gets. He keeps things simple. And for someone so successfully immersed in the world world of digital, he has a level of self-awareness that ensures he spends time IRLing. For the uninitiated, as I was before this conversation, IRL stands for in real life. That means no screens, just doing stuff out there in the real world. Amen to that. Peter seems to be on a quest to find the joy in life but fully understands that what brings joy today may not be what brings joy tomorrow. It's all an adventure. Enjoy Peter Levels thinking and doing for yourself. Okay, perfect, man. Cool. Nice to see you guys. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Really good. I just woke up, so uh, I'm having my coffee. Uh, so that's, if my brain doesn't work yet, it's uh, yeah, that's that's why. That's all right. I, I've been awake for a couple of hours and my brain isn't working. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, it happens. It happens. Peter, what time? What time zone are you on? Uh, this is Thailand time, so I think it's called Indochina time. Um, but usually I wake up like noon or something. Today's kind of late because uh, yesterday we were like late drinking mocktails in the cocktail bar, uh, no alcohol, but still. Um, but yeah, usually I wake up around like noon or 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. or something. Let, let's let's start around. here because it's it's really intriguing. So do you, when you <laughs> when you because you, you travel a lot, do you do you move into time zones of different countries or do you try and stay in a in a, in like a Peter time zone? Yes. So the the myth is that I travel a lot. I don't travel a lot. I'm a very slow mad. So uh, slow mad. I <laughs> love that. <laughs> when I started like nomading like 2013, I I did travel a lot. I was like uh, every sorry. I put the microphone a little bit closer. Um, when I started in 2014, I, I did travel a lot. I was like, uh, I think every few months, or maybe, maybe even every month in a different place. And uh, and before that, I was backpacking. So backpacking, you know, you only have like one month to see, you know, 12, well, that's too much, but it's five countries. So you're going really fast from city to city. But um, I think it, it kind of burns you out after a while. It uh, Because essentially you do the same thing in every city anyway, you, you sleep, you wake up, you you have coffee, you meet people, um, you work a little bit, uh, you see the city a little bit, uh, you do things um, 
but it starts getting the same in every city after after a few years right and yeah i've noticed that for some reason you 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 try and find tall things to climb up when you go to new cities is that why do we do that what do you mean tall things what do you mean like so you you find you find like uh, tall skyscrapers, <laughs> tall churches, tall buildings, tall hills. I think that's just mountains. you, Neil. That might be just Maybe you. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. <clears throat> I think it's just Neil. It's this is bullshit. <laughs> this is fake news. That, well, that's um, what actually. Being fair, in Brighton we have the i360 which is the tallest thing in Brighton, and that is the tourist destination. So maybe you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm same sure in it's... Amsterdam. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, man. It's always funny if you. Uh, this is not rude against all the UK and Europeans, but if you. Look how tall everything is in Asia. And then I go to Amsterdam and they're like, the main tourist attraction is a is a building. I think it's like, I think it's like the Amsterdam Tower. Let's see the height. It's eight, it's 80 meters. <laughs> 80 meters. <laughs> it's like, it's... That's um, massive. The, my, that's massive for the <laughs> Netherlands though. It's, there's nothing yeah. tall apart, apart from the people. The people are the tallest exactly. in the no, world. No, the, the, the people are taller than that building. That's the problem. They don't fit in. But... Uh, uh, things are really tall in Asia. Generally, I do like I, I like ground level because uh, I grew up in a ground level, like we all do in UK and Holland. I think we grew up usually grew up in like ground level houses, right? Um, and it feels nice, but um, yeah. So I don't really care. I, I like ground level also. But in in Asia, kind of it's like the higher the more status. It's really like very oh, metaphorical. Right, okay. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Like I grew up where my parents were like. Uh, they didn't like like flats we'd call them maybe uk same right like flats like um they said it's it's good to have your own house on the ground and i was like okay but in asia they want like the top floors and that's like status and stuff and i'm like well but you're stuck in this building so high like how do you get out you know i don't know that's um i'm sure we're going to pick up on a few more of these kinds of things i think as you as you experience and live amongst other cultures you start to recognize those those themes that um that make a lot of sense because they're everything we've ever known and suddenly you go to another culture and it makes no sense anymore because it's the it's the opposite and i I wonder how much that might you know if you've traveled a lot how much that starts to change your mind change your perspective on the world yeah i think it's a really good question um it's so interesting it's it's a really like a psychological journey too if you're always if you're like abroad a lot and you're you're nomading and stuff and you're not in your home country not even in the west and um like i was really depressed and really anxious you go through these these years of like uh feeling like lost and like what what are you doing with your life and where are you because you don't have a geographical tie to your home country anymore and where you grew up and stuff and and for me it was like i lived in amsterdam a lot of my life and um it was my last city kind of in Holland. And it's uh, it's psychologically like really wrecking and, and transformative and destructive in a way because you you rebuild as a person. And and I mean, I read on Hacker News like uh, back in the day, like a few years ago, there was a lot of nomads like would go suicidal. Uh, a lot of them would go depressed. Uh, it's um, removing the ties from your home to to then just do go anywhere is very uh dangerous and it can be very uh intense emotionally psychologically um yeah and and now i feel good and 
think the reason for that is that nowadays I always travel with friends. We're always in a group and I never, I make sure I'm never alone uh, anymore. You need friends. You need a, a girlfriend or boyfriend or something. You need a, like a partner. You need stuff to, um, so your identity, I think, comes from contextualizing your environment and stuff from the context of how do you fit in the environment? If the environment is constantly in flux, uh, you don't know, if you, or you only talk to strangers, you don't really exist anymore as a person. So, so, so that's need, something about need... that's something about home, isn't it? Redefining home. You, you know, you, you're, you know, home can be a place, but it can be people as well. Is that what you're what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I talked to a therapist about it, and she said kind of similar. What she said, uh, it can be people. It can be. She was like, bring some object with you that uh, you you put in your room or something to make it kind of home. And I'm like, yeah kind of didn't really work but I, I know what she was trying to say um and i think you're right the home can be redefined but i think that the jealousy of like always people like at home kind of with a, a regular life is uh not completely fair because having a, having a home tie is really important and um it's just it's a different life and um the the safety and, and the the comfort and the, the psychological um comfort of, of a home is is I mean, it's, you don't necessarily need, but I think it is important to have something like that. And um, anyway, it's it's psychologically really, really challenging in the in the first few years for sure. And slowing down has to do with it. Also, you slow down because you want to create more ties. You want to create like it's nice to live, for example, in two places. Like that's my plan now: live in Portugal and live maybe in in, in Bangkok or Bali or something uh, for the winter. You know, because Europe gets cold in the winter. But that creates more of, like ties. You have proximity and repetition and friendship and relationships need proximity and repetition you need to be near each other and you need to repeat interactions that's how you become friends if you go yeah. to the same coffee shop every day you will in inevitably even if you're socially uh maladapted you'll inevitably <laughs> make friends after three months because you go there every day that's how yeah. it works oh, well i think routines when you're so repetition is routines right and it's it's just so important it's so important yeah, and i think 100%. you know neil and i know each other through do something different uh and you know we've always been promoting the idea of stepping into the unknown you know stepping out of your comfort zone and all that but it has to be balanced with those routines because if you if you're constantly if you have two feet in the unknown it, it, it it's chaos that's a great uh, statement yeah two feet because you yeah you fall down kind of yeah that's right and yeah, if you've got yeah, two yeah. feet if you've got two feet in the known that's a rut and and, yeah. and you know and and what we're you know and what this podcast is actually about in many senses is is how to work that balance between having one foot in the known and one foot in the unknown and and i think it's really interesting to hear you say that, that you know you people get depressed and anxious and you know just the whole mental health can go in the wrong direction because they're they've got there's no stability mm. yeah the environment is in flux and um and it, it's so difficult to explain it to like new to people who are because a lot of people now want to go nomad because of remote work and stuff and obviously my websites are about it and i'm kind of promoter of it but i've always tried to promote it in like a realistic way not this because before nomad list and stuff before my website, there was all these shady websites with like live your dream lifestyle on the beach, you know, all this bullshit. And it's obviously not a dream lifestyle. It's obviously very challenging. And then when you get everything kind of together, you, you know, your friends are near, you have a relationship, you go to the gym, you eat well, uh, you make enough money to afford a nice place. Then you're like, okay, this now it works. And that takes years, you know? So 
it's it's so weird that it's like painted as this Instagram um, dream lifestyle. Yeah, and and which, do you, of course do, is you great, yeah. do you think if you'd have had a conversation with someone who'd have sort of shared what you've just shared with you back then, you would have understood that and taken the advice, or do you think you just have to learn it for yourself? The funny thing is I, I didn't know anything when I started. I, the only thing was my friend told me, because I graduated with a master's degree in Rotterdam uh, business entrepreneurship. And my friend was like, uh, you know, you can work on your laptop because I had a YouTube channel for music. I was making like $2,000 a month. He's like, why don't you just buy a laptop and then, you know, go travel a little bit. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I didn't know about digital nomads. I didn't know about, I remember moving out of my house and my neighbor, this, uh, uh, this, I think, 50-year-old guy was like, uh, do you know Tim Ferriss? I'm like, no, I have no idea. He wrote this book about what you're going to do now. I'm like, what, really? So I, I was like, okay. <laughs> and I didn't even read the book. I just ignored it. And I just fl flew somewhere. I flew to Bangkok, actually. And then I went to Chiang Mai in Thailand because I, I'd been backpacking here before. And I didn't know anything. I didn't know even that there was any scene of people uh, doing this. And there was only like 20 people in Chiang Mai uh, back then. And maybe there was like 10,000 nomads in the world or something. It was very, very low. But anyway, I didn't I didn't prepare anything. I just, and it was kind of the fun part about it. Like it was exciting because I have no idea what was happening. It was all what, new. What, and, what were you searching yeah. for back then, Peter, if you can remember? So if, if we, let, let, let's oh, go back to yeah. some of some some of the stuff that was going on in your world and what led towards the the YouTube channel. Well, I, th I think, um, uh, so the YouTube channel was much earlier. It was like 2008 because I had a music career. Actually, I was in the UK a lot. I was doing drum and bass music, drum and bass. Maybe you guys know it. We know it, UK, yeah. Like, okay, yeah. So Pendulum and stuff, uh, you know, Run a Size, famous, classic. I was obsessed with drum and bass music and I would go to London to parties. I would also DJ in London. Uh, I would uh, DJ in Holland. I had my own club night and stuff. I produced drum and bass music. That was the point. I made my own music. So I kind of stuck out from all the other DJs in Holland because they couldn't, they didn't know how to produce, but I was good with computers. So I could learn to make music on the computer. Um, and then I would play it in the club and stuff. Uh, and so I made my own album. I released it. Uh, people bought it, but it didn't become like the, the world famous super success I was planning to become. So I was like, okay. Uh, but I, what I did was I uploaded it to YouTube my music and back then nobody uploaded music to youtube this was like 2007 2008 well, why and did why did you upload it to youtube for promotion because um i needed to promote this album you know and I, I i went to the factory and we got a thousand copies pressed real cds with the whole i designed the whole artwork and everything and i needed to sell these cds and i had some audience i think i had like a mailchimp newsletter or something and uh but i was like okay maybe i just upload it to youtube and i knew adobe after effects so i put it in premiere and i made a video back then it was really you don't, nobody understands this back then it was like music files like mp3 or wave files and it was video files and it wouldn't didn't make any sense to put your music in a video file and put it on youtube because youtube was for like home videos right or like viral videos and stuff and vloggers and um, so anyway, I did that and it was a accidental success and it became like the second biggest channel in Holland. It became this whole music 
kind of empire of different genres, like first drum and bass and dubstep, very important dubstep blew up in 2010. And YouTube started paying me money, like, uh, you know, first like $100, $1,000, $2,000, at some point $8,000 per month. And I was like a student in university. So I was like, yeah, this is great. And I was doing studying business. So I was like, well, this is kind of like a business now. So it kind of pivoted. It moved from artistic music to, oh, this is like a music business on YouTube making money to then graduating. And then my friend saying like, you know, can you also make these videos on your laptop? And I was like, I tried to find a laptop that could render these videos. And uh, yeah, that works. It's, it's interesting, I... isn't it? Because what, what, you're, <clears throat> what you did there was, you said it was accidental, mm. but, but you, you were innovating. You, you were just thinking, well, let's, let's try this. <laughs> So, you know, and sometimes those innovations work and sometimes they don't. Yeah, but it's always for the wrong, like for the different reason you're doing it than what it turns out to be successful. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. The, the purpose was marketing myself, uh, selling these CDs, these thousand CDs for like $10 or something or $6. And uh, it became something completely different. And but but if I if I didn't make that CD myself, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you because all that stuff led to this. Well, so you don't know. That, uh, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> there might have been another route. We'd have got you yeah, at some yeah, point. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's 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 what I'm. That's what I'm intrigued by. Ray's thinking in the same way that I'm thinking about this. That um, you you described it as uh, a happy coincidence because you put your stuff onto YouTube, but but there was some reason why you decided to do that. It might have been because you had some skills that other people didn't have, but beyond that, you also imagined something about what that might lead to. Um, and that could be a whole whole range of different things, um, but there's yeah, some right. yeah. there's some amount of kind of creative mind that that you're applying to uh, something that, that, that and and then the other thing is that you noticed so you noticed a hundred dollars then a thousand dollars then two thousand dollars and you stayed the course long enough to see that to eight thousand dollars where suddenly you then were able to recognize that there is a way of being able to earn money create money that was m less traditional. Well, who would quit when you make more and more money every month? Like, who would delete this YouTube? Channel? Like, right, right. It's yeah. Especially when, when you're a student. Skill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was shitloads of money. Still shitloads of money. Um, one thing you said, Neil, about skills. Interesting thing was, I was doing graphic design. Also, I was always doing stuff on the computer. Like, as a teenager, as when I was even nine years old or something. And I learned Photoshop first to do graphic design stuff and arts, and then. Um, I learned After Effects, which was pretty much Photoshop for video, where you could, you know, also have layers and you could move all these layers and you could do like motion graphics. I was obsessed with motion graphics. It would look so cool, like a camera, like, and I wanted to become a motion graphics uh, designer when I was maybe like 14 or something, I think. But th those skills of After Effects, I used later on the YouTube. And a lot, I mean, most people didn't know how After Effects worked or Premiere back then. It was like now a lot more, but nobody knew how video worked. So I, I could, use that to um, render my mp3 files as videos with my photo on it and put it upload on youtube where the only other content that was on youtube like i said came from like cameras so you upload from your camera to youtube maybe right so that's yeah. like a skill that i had before and that it became useful again and it was that was making you stand out from the crowd yeah because other people didn't know how after effects word worked or even like design with photoshop or um yeah so yeah, especially like 2008, 
people were less, much less skilled at computer stuff than now. Like now everybody can kind of, software is also much easier now, but back then After Effects would crash, the Photoshop would crash. It, would, it was all quite difficult. So um, it's interesting how it all happened. So let, let's go back to that moment where um, you decided that you're going to book your flight and, and go off and, and start nomading, not knowing not what, what nomading was then. Can you yeah. tell us more about, so you, 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 the YouTube channel was away, you were making some money, um, but, you, but at that point you were probably knowing, knowing it or not knowing it, you're searching for something. C take us back there and tell us more about what was going on in your head, what was going on in your life, what, what, what do you think you were looking for as a next step? Okay, so I think my brain is, like, I don't believe in ADHD or ADD, but personally, uh, but people always say, like, you're quite hyper. <laughs> Could also be the coffee. But uh, I do think my brain goes quite fast because the comments on my YouTube present, on, like, I do these startup presentations sometimes on YouTube, and uh, the comments are always like, okay, you need to play it on 0.75 speeds for it to be normal. <laughs> So I, I realized <laughs> I go kind of fast. I, I think kind of fast at like 1.5 times probably. But um, I realized my whole life that I didn't want to have like a, a kind of big corporate life, like a nine to five thing. I was already, already making graphic art, like about quite, kind of intense, but like corporate enslavement. And then you see like a guy in a suit. Oh, like really? Wow. Kind of, like all these posters I was making at like 11, you know? So I don't know where it came from, but... Um, there was something there that I was against big corporate and this managers and this office and this vibe. And I was alternative kid kind of, I was a skater, so a skateboarder and I like, fuck the system, fuck the man, you know? And um, let me just ask the obvious question so I don't yeah, miss sorry. it, Peter. Um, but wh why study business then? It's amazing. Great question. Mm. You, you're a smart guy, Neil. Um, Because uh, I well, you, that to... question, I wouldn't base it on that question. <laughs> He said it now. He said it. <laughs> I wanted to, um, okay, I'm not a communist, but I wanted to hack the system from within. That was really the reason. Because I knew that if I didn't make money, I'd have to get an office job. So I was like, if I learn like this capitalism and economics and business from within, as a kind of artist guy, right? Musician and designer and graphics and stuff. Because I knew artists would never get rich because this hardly happens, you know? And especially back then, there was not NFTs. <laughs> But, <laughs> uh, um, I knew that I had to learn the system from within to escape it. And I really wanted to escape it. That's really the truth. Like I, at, at 16, I already thought I needed to escape this, this system of going to office and nothing against it for other people but for me it's not my thing i cannot do it I, it's hard for me to even sit in school with teachers telling me what to do i couldn't do it and i, I did elementary school which was montessori my parents put me in montessori and then high school was regular school and i hated high school because it was you need to sit in this fucking structure and montessori is really like a creative school where you uh sit in kind of groups not in a, in a class structure uh and the, there's I think there's like teacher and there's like sub teachers and stuff. And they just tell you like what you can do, whatever you want to do, just go play with blocks or play with letters or play with numbers. And it's really free. And uh, it's always, you sit in groups with four other kids or something and you have your own plants, you water, and it's all really cute and very chill school. And uh, I think that has been important in how I 
became kind of like because they let you make mistakes they let you if if you if you do something strange with your blocks or whatever they're like wow that looks cool instead of like that's wrong there was never like that's wrong kind of and i think that affected me have you ever uh, spoken to your pet to your parents about um, the decision to put you into Montessori, but also the decision then to put you into a traditional school after that? Well, the high school was like, it was my own choice, but because my brothers were there, but the high school, um, there was a Montessori high school, but it was, it wasn't a good school. And this school was like the best, the best high school in uh, my hometown. So um, yeah, but your, your parents choice to, to put, to put you into Montessori originally. Yeah, were, because your baby they, it already starts at like five or something. Were they were they doing that because because they valued the likely outcome, or do you think they were doing it because they recognized creativity in you and thought that would be a better place for you? Well, I have two older brothers. They also went to Montessori, so we all went to the same school, kind of, and same high schools. Um, I think they did it because i mean maybe it's because they also come from the hippie time right like the 60s and stuff and they they're also a little bit like um fuck the system and um they're like you should think for yourself like it's a lot about upbringing today like you should think for yourself don't trust if everybody like a sheep group all jump into the river don't trust them like don't do the same just think for yourself you're probably right and that's like really good lesson i think uh and do what makes you happy don't do don't lie you know, uh, don't cheat people, don't scam people, always f do good, you know, f ethics, moral, just those basics. And that's already enough kind of to. Uh, and, and I think it's uh, probably yeah. quite <clears throat> useful, I would imagine, to get both sides, the Montessori and the mainstream school. So because if, if you if, if you just have the Montessori, you don't necessarily understand other people's. Yeah. That's a bubble, right? Montessori is a bubble, of course. Yeah. And but, Montessori, I mean, it's. I think it's like a little bit uh, upper middle class people anyway. It's uh, so it's definitely a bubble. And um, there was more exposure of real worlds at this at the high school, for sure. And um, I mean, and there was even more at university, you know, like and then moving out of my hometown to Amsterdam, you're like, oh, this is the real world. This is completely different than this hometown with these schools and like completely different world and then you go travel and you're like wow it's even crazier you know every yeah, time it gets yeah. crazier well, a, fr a friend of mine i think i said this to me the other day he said to me he said um you can only see what you can see imagine what else is out there yeah 100 and um to offend all the american listeners I, I tweeted yesterday about uh i'm excited about the time that america's realized there's 7.6 billion people outside the u.s and that is like a world out there you know, because they're a little bit insulated, not everybody, but some Americans. Um, and that's the whole thing. Like if you, if you go abroad, if you travel, uh, even to your neighboring country, you learn so much and you, it's, do you know, yeah, what? especially if you live there for a few months. Yeah. Do you know what? I think if you just go to a different part of your own town, you, oh, yeah. su you suddenly yeah. start to see, yeah. it, it, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I've lived in Brighton for 25 years. I'm now in a different part of town. It's like, Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! 100%. Every every town like has east, west, south, north, and it's completely different. And uh, there's different people living there, and you just gotta talk to them. And I'm not great at that because you're right. I should have I should explore my hometown more.
but I'm exploring, you know, 6,000 miles away. So <laughs> yeah, no, but I think, I think there's a time and a place for exploring far, far afield. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. I think COVID has uh, helped us all in a way explore yeah. locally, you know, whether that be right. the streets around you further afield in the town around you or your own, just, you know, I've spent, when I've been away, I've been away in the UK and do you know what? It's been absolutely fantastic exploring those places. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I did the same during COVID. I was in Holland and uh, I explored my parents' neighborhoods. Uh, you talk to your neighbors and stuff. We went like traveling through Holland. I saw nature I've never seen was in Holland in something called the Veluwe, which is it looked like a desert with, you know, pink, purple grass and it looked psychedelic as fuck crazy trees crazy winds i didn't even know that existed and i, and so, I think that yeah, is you know i think those people the people that are listening have probably got their own experiences of that um certainly when yeah. they're talking to people around me they've done exactly that you know a friend my friend nick he discovered this whole area of woodland that is literally 100 yards from his house that he never knew was there crazy. yeah 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 this is man i think that's a really fun cute kind of uh angle of like travel also like you can you don't need to fly really really far to have a completely different experience you can you can find it really close by too it's all about your own mind and um yeah yeah i was i was going to make the point that we, we we're still when we're talking about travel we're talking about travel in the physical sense but we could go um uh a, a, a bit maybe spiritual and go well what about the travel in in your own head and I noticed that you said it almost looks psychedelic. And I, it made me think, I'm going to ask the question, what, have, you, have you ventured into any psychedelic worlds, Peter? And, and if so, when? And, and how, how has that affected your, your perspective? Well, I'm in Thailand now, so it's very illegal. But no. Uh, so I, I, I've done mushrooms in Holland like when I was 16 or 17, which is really fun. But I threw up over the entire uh, wall of my friend's parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I, I then love I love the fact that you threw up over the into the neighbor's garden. Or... <laughs> no, into like the, the living room wall. Like we were sitting. Oh. Cups, and then I threw up next to the TV oh. on the wall. Like, bleh. and then I remember it was like with four best friends, and we were we had to clean it because it's like these fucking parents, you know, they might come home or something. So we were cleaning it with towels, like wet towels, and um, like it was everywhere. It was like next to the TV, it was there. And then my friend was like cleaning behind the TV and he's like, Peter, it's even behind the TV. And then I was like, hmm, we are doing mushrooms, right? And mushrooms hallucinate. How can it vomit be behind the TV when I vomited there and the TV is there? I was like, what if we're just hallucinating vomit everywhere? And he's like, ah, interesting. <laughs> And because it, it was everywhere. And and then the, after we like after the whole trip, there was no vomit anywhere. So you don't know whether or not that was part of the experience or whether you actually just did a great job of cleaning it up. Exactly. Maybe I I just hallucinated everything. And my friends, I told my friends, and then they hallucinated it too. So anyway, it was really fun. Um I did that. I think I did like uh, I did ecstasy, MDMA, uh, and 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 XCS speed. I think so. It's like very. But I got really paranoid. I I felt really like 
actually made it feel really fake. Like all these people were like fake happy and hugging you at the festivals. Like, oh my God. And I met like old classmates who I was never friends with. And they were like, oh my God, wow, so great. Like it felt like so fake. I was like, this is bullshit. We're all on drugs and this is, this is not my thing. And, and it almost felt also like satanic where I was looked left and I saw like tens of thousands of people dancing on techno. And I love techno, but it looked like some, you know, like the Matrix inner earth kind of uh, satanic ritual. And maybe this was not good drugs, but uh, <laughs> then I did MDMA later. It was really nice. It was like happy. But th I think this is a problem with me. This sounds arrogant. My mind is already quite open and I'm I'm already radically honest to you guys now i don't have a secret i'm not really keeping secrets here i'm just throwing everything on my on the table and i think a lot of people use psychedelics to open up yeah and i think i'm already quite open so like even if i drink alcohol i'm not that different i just become more happy and i i yeah so let's let's go back i'm gonna so i'm just gonna um do a bit of a summary of some of the stuff we've touched on so montessori and then to a more traditional school. So there's a, an interesting yeah. yin yang there. And then this kind of um, fuck corporate world, uh, want to fight the system. So you go to study business in order to understand yeah. how it works so that you can break it from within. Um, there's also this interesting thing going on between kind of art and science, um, mm. because you 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 are kind of gravitating towards artistic skills or artistic qualities, but you're applying them in quite scientific ways. Um, and then we we were we were zooming in on this on this moment in your life where you decided to then to to go away. Let let's go back to that time. Yeah. What what and you and you were talking about um you were talking about how you 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 know that you think fast. And you, you were talking about the stuff that was probably going on in your head at the time or, or some of the feedback that you were getting from the YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. I, I, I uh, drifted off. So the, what I meant was that um, in university and college, life is really fun because everybody has like a few hours they need to go and you don't really need to go to these lectures anyway. So you can hang with your friends like all day, like, always we would hang at each other's houses um we do stuff we party we'd make music and stuff together like i had rapper friends anyway um that all stopped when we graduated because everyone had to get a job and i knew this was going to happen so graduation was like my biggest fear for me and for everything because i knew everyone was going to change and and honestly what happened was you know because everybody graduates kind of different time right like this year next year we kind of just already immediately started happening where, you know, the only time we had was in the evening because you have to work all day and then people move in with a uh, girlfriend or boyfriend. So that takes some time. Um, and then you see each other like once a week and you get drunk because that's what people do in UK and Holland. We get drunk in the weekend when you, and I was like, I think 26 or something. And, um, and you get very drunk because you don't have a lot of time, right? You have two days to party, so you get really drunk. And I would always get, I would only drink like one, maybe once a month or something or twice a month because I didn't really like it so much. But uh, the point is like that was, it was, it, life became so much more boring. It was so much more interesting in college. It was so fun and creative in college. And then it just became, everybody kind of hated their job and 
and it became first alcohol and then uh, drugs, a lot of drugs, like Amsterdam, London, same. So, uh, but in a really bad way, like uh, a lot of cocaine, not me, I never did it, but I, a lot of people in Amsterdam do it. And that became the party scene, like, because people wanted to go extra hard. So they would do cocaine, um, other stuff. I don't even need to mention, but it, it was like, we have two days and then the, fuck, Monday to Friday, we need to work again. So we need to go extra hard in the weekend. And I just didn't agree with that whole concept because I was doing YouTube channel and I had fun and I could work anytime. And I do did have th- days where I had to work, but I, I didn't feel this was a healthy fucking lifestyle. It just wasn't. Just uh, absolutely I, wasn't. I think this is interesting because I think it's the same thing with, I sort of see a parallel with holidays. You know, if, if if people are looking forward to their holidays so much, what's wrong with their, you know, life? And and it's the same with alcohol and drugs. If you really, really like, you smash it, you know, there's something wrong. There needs to be more balance. Yes, and that's the reason why people in I keep saying UK Holland because of a similar culture, we go to extremely hot holiday resorts or places where it's like <laughs> yeah. 40 Celsius. It's way too hot, but it's because it's a counterbalance to mm, that's right. it's a reaction. Culture. It's a reaction, yeah. It's a reaction, but it's extreme. They're both extreme. They're not mm-hmm. balanced at all. Shitty cold, rainy weather in the office, for, and then super hot, um, you know, Magaluf, right? That's where all you. You know, you've so been like, there too. <laughs> no, I went to Mallorca, also UK, but anyway, um, you know, it's extreme, and like I don't like forty Celsius. I like twenty-five. Yeah. I like 23. Yeah, absolutely, you know absolutely. I mean? Nice temperature. So 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 that's like lukewarm. Anyway, I think that's it. The same weekends. And uh were you so were you were you questioning your 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 friends? Were you were you were you because you you've you've got this sort of fuck the system attitude to the corporate yeah. world. And at that time it sounds like you're experiencing you're really experiencing it because what you loved about your life with your friends being around and the creativity of college has now been taken away and it's been taken away by the system that you knew was going to show up at some point. Yeah. So, so were you, were you, well, were, you I, were you challenging it at, at, at that time? Look, if the whole city at your age does the same thing, like, how do you, <laughs> I was the weird one. They were not weird. I was weird. Mm, yeah. You know, they were not wrong. They just did what everybody did. Yeah. And, but were you were you in any way trying to show people that there was another way at that time? Well, the problem was that I always got invited to parties like every weekend or something, and I didn't want to go. So I'd go like once a month or twice a month. And usually I would just be working in the weekend on my computer, like making music or videos or whatever. And uh and it, man, it would mix. It was really funny. I would be working on um, making a new video for YouTube, and I would be, and I work kind of late, right? So I'm working at like uh, one a.m. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm working at After Effects Premiere, whatever, or, or I was making music, and then uh, my door opens because my roommate brought these friends home for the after party. Because after is a whole thing. You go to the club, but then people want to keep partying. So or maybe it was 4 a.m. Anyway, they come in and this guy comes in and he's completely spaced out of his head on lots of drugs. He's like, yo, what's up? Like, <laughs> can, I, can I just like sit here? Because it's 4 a.m. and I need to go work at 7. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to kind of like, like it's too intense in the living room. Can I just sit 
next to you and i'm like yeah so i'm just working and it's this guy on drugs <laughs> sitting next to me normal guy like not not like a junkie but just normal guy but on the drug and um he's like what are you doing and i'm like i'm just making music he's like whoa I'm like wow you're making music it's so cool man can you can i just listen and he takes a headphone and he's just like and and you sit there for an hour kind of cooling down and like quite interested in what i'm doing but um yeah and so these worlds kind of mixed even you know so yeah so you see you you're not i think what you're saying is that you or maybe you're not i don't know you can correct me you weren't doing it for anyone else you're just doing it for yourself you know you were you were you were not going with the flow because it didn't work for you and you wanted to find what worked for you and that may have inspired a few people and maybe it does today, but you were doing yeah, it. Well, you. I knew where it was going to lead. I knew where this life was going to lead. It was going to lead to fucking nowhere because <clears throat> where does this stuff lead? Like uh, incidental psychedelic uses is good, but if you do it every week, like it's not going to, not going to lead to, you're doing, you're self-medicating some f- fucked up part of your life and it's not going to lead to nowhere. So I had to escape this shit. And, uh, and that's what I did. And, um, and, and I guess yeah. you've continued to do that. Well, it's funny. I mean, radical honesty, you see a lot of uh, drug users here too. Like you get invited to parties again with like uh, uh, ketamine and stuff. And I'm like, sorry, I'm just not fucking into it. I don't want to do it. It's not my style. I'm not going to go to your party. Yeah. And I don't even, I kind of don't want to be, I'm not anti-drugs. It sounds like an anti-drugs podcast. I'm not at all anti, but I'm against uh, self-medicating uh, a shitty life. And uh, which I think this podcast is about, right? It's about doing it live differently. Yeah. And um never talked about drugs so much on podcasts but uh it's interesting because all your questions it, it, it has been a kind of a thing that i've been avoiding <laughs> yeah, yeah and, uh, and it, it's but it's it's not it's not drugs you're avoiding it's going with the f- flow you're avoiding for the sake of it G- going the flow sometimes is absolutely fantastic but mm. it, it, if it's not working for you and you're just doing it because everybody else does it and you're not thinking about it, you're not, you're not understanding how it's affecting you personally. You're just doing it because everybody else does it because you haven't got your own mind. Then it's a problem. Yeah. I think that's, and it's a much more friendly way also to say, you're right. It's much less judgmental way. It's like, just, if it doesn't work for you, don't do it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and I think, I think in life generally, forget drugs for the minute, you know, but in life in general, general, we, we all to some extent or another go with the flow and don't question whether it's working for us. You know, we, we, we go with the flow in the sense that we work for a company, nine to five or whatever and just do our job because everybody else that's what everybody else does we i don't know we go to watch the football every week um because that's what everybody around me does mm. you know or we i go to parties yeah. or i go bird watching because everybody around me does that you know and yeah that's fine yeah you know and, and i think i think we just gotta take a all of us all of us need to every so often just sort of really question is this actually working for me because I'm not the mm. same necessarily as the people around me, or in some instances I might be because I like playing sport, but other instances it just <clears> isn't <throat> working for me. And it's hard because when you when you take a step out of your own comfort zone, you're forcing other people to question things because you're not there and they want oh, you yes. to be there. They want you to be there because that's what keeps it like the same. And that's... 
100%. That's why lifestyle change is the hardest thing because your environment dictates your lifestyle. And that's why I think Mule thinks this is interesting because when you move locations, when you move to the other side of the world, is a great opportunity to, you can choose the people you want to be with. You can create your own kind of environment and you can completely change your lifestyle. And that's what I did. And funny thing is you can even test different uh, personalities kind of, you can mm -hmm. be in different cities. You can, if you're introvert, you can try being extrovert because who cares? You don't know anybody here. Absolutely. Kind of Absolutely. In fact, we talked about this with Steph, um, a couple of weeks ago, Steph Smith, who I think you, uh, do you know Steph? Yes, he's really cool. Yeah, yeah, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Yes, my yeah. Friend. so so we talked to her about this and it, she was talking about going to Sweden and uh, as a as a student, her first sort of trip abroad. And, you know, it's that the way Neil and I think about it is if it, an opportunity to change is the best way to do it is to either go to a new place, meet new people or experiment with your personality. But when you go to a new place, you're definitely, well, you're, first of all, you're in a new place. Secondly, you're going to meet new people in a, in a different culture. Mm. But also, it, it's just such a brilliant opportunity to, as you say, if you're normally introverted, experiment with being a bit extroverted. If you're normally extrovert, experiment with being a bit introverted and just see how it fits for you. Because it may be mm. that the way you were behaving was just the way you were behaving because of the people around you. And it's, it's yeah, just... 100%. Such an opportunity. I have a friend who's uh, who's gay, and he he came out as gay uh, because he became a pilot, and he was flying to different cities, and he was always scared to like explore himself or something in in Holland. Not because Holland is like Holland's quite tall, but just because you know it's his own kind of bubble. And he said because he could fly everywhere, he could explore <clears throat> this part of him and and find out. Okay, I'm gay and. And we're like, okay, cool. We don't care that you're gay. Like, nice. But you know what I mean? It 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 gives you uh, it gives it gives you a way to. I, I think it's different personalities. I think it's a license. License. It's it's a, it's a license to behave differently. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because because yeah. because everybody when you're back home in Amsterdam and you're I don't know just assumed to be straight, you know everybody expects you. To be straight and, it, and it's more of a challenge because of those people around yeah. you and and yeah yeah it's also license to misbehave in megalove <laughs> <laughs> i feel like uh you're hiding something you want to go to megalove he doesn't yeah yeah, yeah. he doesn't i'm sure he doesn't <laughs> my best friend is daniel lockyer he's from uh where is he from somewhere in uk and he's my server guy and he uh we always joke about megalove it's like uh yeah, we always talk about these Britishisms, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's go back to the, the your, your YouTube channel because it didn't it didn't start and stop there. You you so you went off start started exploring wasn't wasn't a plan, but you were looking for something else. Do, can you remember what you were looking for and then how it started to play out into the next next evolution of you? Yeah. So I I remember dating a Russian girl uh back then also and she i knew her from twitter from the drama base scene she was a big drama base manager and i was booking artists for the youtube channel and I, I would always talk to her really cool girl uh anna and then um really cute so i flew there i flew to st petersburg and i remember bringing my laptop also then this was like 2012 so before nomad and uh and i was there for like only a few weeks i think it's really really fucking cold it was like minus 40 or something and um and i was working back then on 
a YouTube, I was learning to code a little bit. I was working on a YouTube analytics platform. It was called bear stats, like a teddy bear and then stat was stupid. But, uh, and I was remember coding on that. And <clears throat> I was like telling her like, you know, if this works, I can make money with it. And it's like extra income next to YouTube and uh, it never worked. But that became one of my first projects where I was coding something. Um, and I was coding it because I needed it because I had all these different YouTube channels and they all had a different login, like username and password. And they all had a different analytics dashboard. And I had no idea how to sum all this data into one and see how much views I was getting and how much money I was making and stuff. So I was like, and, and there was a lot of these YouTube networks back then. So I was like, this could you know, be a useful thing. So I tried to solve a problem for myself and that became this analytics uh, app that nobody, well, nobody paid for, but Vice Network used it even. Uh, some big brands used it, but nobody paid for it. So, because um, I was not good at startups. Well, you, but you, but you'd studied business, right? And you, and still in the back of your mind, you're going, I want to break the system, but I also want to, I want to hack the system. So you're, you're looking for something that looks a bit like a business. So how, how were you thinking about that? Were you, were you thinking about that as work? Were you thinking about that as? Yeah. So I think business is very different from entrepreneurship, like big business managers, suits, offices, corporates. That's you know, when it reaches like billion dollars, completely different. That's like, gets into the gray area, gray territory for me. Entrepreneurship feels like art. It feels the same as uh, creativity. It feels the same as Photoshop, After Effects, as painting, as skateboarding. It's fun. It's like entrepreneurship is, is, is just, you know, it's so free and fun and not structured and do whatever. And uh, it gets... It, the bigger the company be- becomes, the more legal stuff, the more structure, the more organization, the more hiring. And it becomes, by definition, uh, rigid and, and, and boring, you know? And uh, there's exceptions. Like, I think SpaceX is huge. They're going to Mars. Of course, it's not a boring company. <laughs> but, right? But generally, and Tesla is also cool. But generally, the companies are, are big companies are, you know, like, like everything needs four meetings and five lawyers and legal <clears throat> sign off and blah, 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 and PO sheet and bullshit. And I just write some code and it's already there within five seconds. I think it's a difference between building something and maintaining something, uh, you know, if, if, if you can break yeah. it down and, you know, and you're not, and I'm not, and Neil's probably not either. like interested in maintaining stuff. I mean, to, yeah. a, to a certain degree, you, you know, it, it, maintaining things makes things um, less stressful, but, if if you're spending all your time maintaining stuff and not creating anything new, it it, it can become yeah. very dull for people like so it's a really good oh, point, Ray, right. because I, I've I've heard Peter, you talk about your robots before. And you you talk yeah. about them and I and when and I've noticed that when you talk about them, you talk about them not just in a playful way, but it's more than symbolic, the way you describe your robots. And it's like you talk about your the robots that are working for you because they're they're so efficient and yeah. they're so effective and you love your robots. Um, yeah. but you don't have people well, well, on the whole, I think you don't have people working for you, but many people who are in your yeah, position some would have for some, yeah, but, but, but you kind of haven't shaped it up into a traditional company, um, in, in the yeah, way that I, a lot of people any, might like, have done. Like, yeah. I still do everything myself. I code everything. I design everything. I have a chat moderator for the community. I have a server guy. Only if the server goes down, he, he gets on, it never goes down. Um, and customer support person, because I don't, but, I can't do that. So to Ray's point about maintaining, so yeah. anything that has value 
requires some amount of maintenance. And I guess the more value that it creates, it's possible that the more maintenance it requires. And that maintenance pushes you into a mode that is maybe moving you further and further away from creativity. But it seems like what you've managed to do, certainly more recently, it'd be interesting to know whether you've done this consciously or unconsciously, is get to a position where the maintenance side of things is so automated, it's so invisible to you that it allows you to show up creatively. Man, you're so you're so good at these questions, man. Like, yes, that's exactly it. Uh, it surprised me too. Like, generally, there's a I've reached a point like the last year where there's so few bugs because every single bug gets reported to me by the robot in Telegram in a chat app, uh, a PHP bug or a JavaScript bug. If you have a if you open my website and there's a JavaScript bug, it sends it to the server and it comes to me immediately. There's so little bugs now, like. There's one bug a week or something, and it's like some JavaScript, whatever. And so usually people say you need to maintain because, you know, and I think because their technology stack is so difficult and complicated and technology keeps changing, these frameworks keep changing, like React, Vue, Laravel, whatever, they're always changing. Um, my code is all vanilla, JavaScript, vanilla, PHP, vanilla, CSS, everything is vanilla. So it's more simple than you think. and it's now quite clean as well, but the code, but um, which surprised me that actually, because there's not a lot of dependencies to update, um, things generally don't really break anymore. Yeah, I'm imagining, I, I'm, other... I'm imagining when you, when you do the, when there is a bug, maybe one, one a week, that that's the creative process trying to fix that. Yeah, but it, the bugs take like two minutes to fix now. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It, but but what, in, and... in creating those systems, in creating those maintenance systems, yeah. that's a creative process, right? Uh, there, there, there isn't really a maintenance system. It's more like if you write really clean codes, it generally keeps running. If it's not dependent on a lot of other frameworks or services, the more self-contained you create codes, uh, the less moving parts. The less moving parts in a system, the the less it will break. So, so for you, what what is creativity? What's the, what's the creative part of what you of your, of your life? Yeah, making new stuff. So I make new products, like I made uh, inflationcharts.com to track inflation because the government data is inaccurate. I think um, I'm creating Rebase now, which is uh, the first immigration as a service startup. So I help people. I've helped now over 500 people immigrate to Portugal from anywhere, from UK, from Holland, from Venezuela, from Syria, like everybody's moving to Portugal. Uh, so that's like stuff that's interesting. Um, and, and why, and why, let, let's just take that as an example. Yeah. Why did you do that? Um, because the, the, kind of similar to slow mads, uh, the, the tra trajectory of a nomad is uh, fast travel in the beginning. Uh, go everywhere, then slow, go crazy, <laughs> then slow down, and then uh, realize, oh, I do need a residency. I need to have a personal residency somewhere, a tax residency. I need to pay tax somewhere, and it's not going to be my home country, and I'm not going to go back to my home country probably. So where should I live? Well, Portugal is, you know, 25 Celsius. It's nice. It's affordable. Nice people. Very uh, foreign friendly. They're trying to attract for uh, foreigners. Um, so that became like a, a thing. So that's kind of the end trajectory. And I'm also Portuguese now. Uh, that's the end trajectory for a nomad, I know.
Okay, so what? So what? But why? Why did you? You just did it because you wanted to. You you saw a problem in the inefficiency yeah, so of the it, existing it, system, or because you wanted to help nomads, or. It happened during COVID. I, I I went to Portugal myself and I, I saw the nomad list on my website that tracks all the cities for nomads that it was really high ranking. Uh, it was a lot of people moving there. It was like, because Asia was kind of closed. So Europe was booming and Portugal was booming because it's much more affordable than Spain, for example. Uh, so a lot of people were in Lisbon and I started meeting people there and, and living there and uh, talking to people. And everybody was talking about... Uh, I'm like, oh, you're just visiting here for a few months. They're like, no, I, I actually registered now. I became a resident. A lot of people with Brexit, just before Brexit, they all registered in Portugal to become Portuguese so they could get Schengen and stuff. Uh, so I was like, okay. And everybody was talking about that. And then I tried it. It was really easy. And then uh, I kept getting friends asking me about, like, who's your lawyer? Can you tell me who's your lawyer? Like, your immigration advisor. I need want to do the same thing. It's like 20 people messaging me over a month or something. So I was like, okay, maybe this is a business. Um, and I asked like a referral fee and I made a little landing page and that became a, a business in like the span of a year. I'm going to, I'm going to push a bit harder, Peter, because <laughs> there's something more here. I think, um, yeah, lots of other people who are in your position and, and at this mm. time in your life, you, you, you had several online businesses that are making more than enough money you've got your you're you're still slow madding you've got a great network mm. of people um there's you you could all you can do anything next right you can do anything or nothing next it is my perception so, yeah. so i might be wrong but tell me tell me if i am um you saw a problem but but i'm guessing you see lots of problems um but but you decided to turn it into a business. That's the bit that's interesting. So you, you could you could help all of these people because you could say, here's the details of the immigration lawyer, or you could just give them a bit of information sure. or you could stick a blog post up, but you turned it into a business or something that starts to represent a business. I'm doing it in, in air quotes. Um, why? What, what was going on in your head? What, 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 what were you tapping into with that? Fuck, yeah, good question. Hmm. And I, and I only say it because because most other people in your position wouldn't have done because that and, and it might be that on the surface because they were too lazy to do it, or, or, might, or they 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 might have had the idea they may have thought this this is a this is a a possible business but they wouldn't have done it yeah so so, so what, yeah, the, the, yeah the the friend who the Sasha the German friend who told me about all this stuff in the beginning when I met him in Lisbon he he was like I wanted to do this business too and I was like oh really <laughs> but he's like I never really did it I'm like okay. Yeah, so that's exactly what you said. Um, well, I, good question. I do like to try, like I test a lot of stuff, right? Like I try new things, like this inflation chart, for example, is not a business, but it's fun. I try different products to see if they stick and I still do that. Like same time last year during COVID, I made uh, qrmenucreator.com because I was in Portugal and I saw QR codes everywhere. For, as a menu thing and now it's really common back then not so much so I, was, so I made a site where you can make your own qr code menu and stuff and now uh thousands of restaurants use it and hundreds of thousands of people use it every day um but it doesn't make money um but the question like why do i um because i don't i otherwise i get bored so <laughs> i want to do something like that's like it, so, challenging. So, so maybe, maybe just again trying to get under the surface a bit more here. 
and also filling in some of the gaps of the story. So you, uh, part of your evolution was you did the 12 projects in 12 months, 12, 12 yeah. startups in yeah. 12 months. And I'm ge- <laughs> yeah. guessing that at that time, that, that was, it was quite premeditated, but it, it was partly to find something and partly to finesse your skills and partly to generate PR. So it's kind of a creative play, but that has lots of positive outcomes. And, and knowing what I know of you since that time, you, you, you've found a handful of things that have become very successful. Um, and you, you continue to ship. So you use that language a lot. And again, just for our listeners, I think by ship, you mean deliver it, deliver new. So, uh, enhance, yeah, you make develop, thing, create. Yeah. 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 And, 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 yeah. and don't just make it, but make it and deliver it to people, make sure that people get values from it. But you do that consistently. And again, this is one of the things that lots of people talk to you about and you write about a lot, the importance of showing up and consistency. And, and um, But do, do you think that um, it's so ingrained now that, 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 that that's what you do? When you, when you see those, uh, you see something that potentially could be a problem, that you're just there, you're just, you're just showing up and that's part of the consistency and part of the ingrained behaviors now. Yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you do something so much, it like in the beginning, it was because, you know, if you, you need to make money, otherwise you starve. So you, I was trying to find stuff that made money and became like a startup, but now of course it's not enough money. So it's not really about money anymore. Um, it's still nice if the money increases, right? Like if your revenue increases, if you, I look at the numbers, it's important that it increases, but is it, right. is that, is that, is, a, that, is that because it's a game? It's just your points. Money is points. Yeah. And this, but this is uh, <clears throat> so bad to say because money is also the reason why people struggle. Like money is the reason I wanted to escape this system, right? Like I, I don't like that you're born in debt kind of as a, as a human, which mm. is not completely mm. true because if you're born as an animal, you might get eaten, right? So we have society where we don't eat each other and fight each other. And it, it, it means that you need to go to the job and make money and get pay rent. That's the agreement we have kind of, although you didn't, you don't agree on that when you're born, but okay. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, yeah, I lost my train of thought. I don't know. The, 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 let's, let's just come back to the, to the question. So there, there's still a reason why you saw the problem with rebase and, and then, took it yeah. took took it on right and and it's cool i can i can see that the creative part of you and the trained part of you is going this is fun like i'm just going to i'm just going to enter into this and it's going to create value for other people and i get to deploy all the skills that i enjoy using which are kind of creative skills but there comes a point with it where it becomes annoying or for for lots of other people it could get to a point where it becomes annoying because it's more stuff there's more, there's more things going on. There's more ah, questions yes. to answer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think it has to do with the automation because now my main projects are, are running smoothly and I need some new stuff to do because I, what, I just sit in my room or go to a cafe and just drink coffee and sit. Like, uh, you know, I can talk to my friend. I do that already. Talk to my, but like at some point you're like, my dad always says when we sit in the kitchen, we drink coffee after like one hour of talking, he's like, Okay, now enough talking. Let's go do something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he 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 doesn't want to just sit and and he wants to do something. And I, I, he's always working on renovating the house and doing construction and stuff. And really fun fun dad. And uh, but yeah, you need I I need something to do, kind of. And and I think there's also this that yeah. 
Well, I, I was just about to say, I, I think as somebody that has been like always doing stuff um, and has recently tried to chill more <laughs> uh yeah me too because because i, I think I, I think there's something i think it's okay if you're always doing stuff because you really enjoy really enjoy what you're doing then that that's different but if you're doing stuff because you want to get somewhere all the time um no that's just drugs it's the same as drugs exactly right yeah that's exactly yeah, what i was I agree, gonna say i agree I agree. I agree. I, I don't think that's it for me anymore because I do, I do chill more. I work way less, uh, but I'm not workaholic anymore, but I've definitely been in the past for sure for years. Yeah. And I, and I think it's back to that conversation we had earlier about balance. It's, it's you know, you, you, if you're yeah. just chilling all the time, it's a problem. If you're on yeah. it all the time and you're striving yeah. all the time, that's a problem. And, and, and it, it, you know, as with anything in life, it's, it is about finding the balance and, and noticing what it is that you're doing. You know, you're just doing all the time for the sake of it. You're going with the flow, you're going with your habit just because that's what you do, you know, yeah. and you're not ever questioning um, what it is yeah. you're doing. It, it's good to look at the, you know, if you're always an extrovert, have a play with being an introvert. It's, if you're always yeah, taking yeah. risks, have a have a play with playing it safe. If you're always doing 100%. spontaneously, maybe start looking at planning planning things. I think you're right, and I, and the, the irony of entrepreneurs, right, is like, oh, I don't want to get a normal job, so they let's build a company, and then they end up in some rat race again because they're nonstop working. It's bullshit. Like the point of entrepreneurship was, we're gonna do our own thing, do something cool. And we'll have a little bit more time for our own life than going to office. Yeah, and you and you forget why you did it in the first place. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, you can. 100%. Yeah, yeah. I th I think I'm relatively relatively balanced. You're never imbalanced, right? But relatively balanced now. Like, um, I can kind of focus on the new projects, and um, yeah, it's it's quite chill now. So, so, so is, there, is there what is there a different approach to so with rebase? I noticed uh, some time ago, I think that you, you turned off new applications because there was so, so much interest that you, you turned it off for a period of time. I'm wondering that, have you just reached a, a level of how you apply yourself to a challenge like Rebase where you're doing it for others, but you're also doing it for you? Where, so maybe a version of you 10 years ago where you'd stumbled across Rebase wouldn't have switched off the application process and instead stayed up two nights in a row and worked really hard and taken on all that extra stress to get through it. Well, Neil, the, the funny thing is I don't do anything with the applications. <laughs> uh, it's not, it's not a lawyer. It's not a lawyer law agency. It's a, it's a referral directory for lawyers. Oh, so you didn't turn it off for yourself. It was because <clears throat> other people I, were getting. It, I have a, I have a giant capacity problem with the immigration advisors and I, uh, so the immigration advisor helped me also move. Well, it's not true. It helped a lot of my friends move to Portugal. And then I did rebase and their clientele number went up from like, I think uh, like 30 a month to like 300 or 400 a month. So 10 X it's, so it's insane. And um, the, the immigration advisor is like close to burnout, you know, cause he's doing calls all day 
like it's it's kind of funny but it's also sad like yeah yeah but they're making more a lot of money now but um like they're making i think like close to a million or something or more from all these applications i just make a hundred dollar per application um and then i pass them on to them and then they do all the other stuff so the hundred dollar kind of like a commission um so i don't i don't do anything i just make sure to i'm slowly automating the steps of the immigration process that's what i'm doing so i'm trying to make them have less work and i'm moving further into the immigration process it's like uh, signing all these forms i'm now learning how to pre-fill a pdf from the portuguese government with the data from my database uh, and then sending it signing it and then sending it to the portuguese government that's like a step you can automate uh, that was before it took weeks so that kind of stuff is fun to automate and that's what i do and that's it's all asynchronous so it never really i never need to do a meeting i i never did a call with these immigration advisors it's always over chat over telegram um because i told them i don't want to do calls i i don't want to it's just calls are always chit chat and nothing fucking happens texas okay there's a specific problem with this form we need to fix it. okay i'll fix the form you know can I ask you a question that is sort of going back to a conversation around what, what, what I call behavioral flexibility, this sort of, what, what is it that you, you're sort of, um, what do you think is your challenge at the moment in terms of sort of, where are you testing your comfort zone or where do you think you should be testing your comfort zone? Where do you think you could benefit from, exploring a different part of your personality well i think so this is funny because me and my friends we've we've worked really hard uh, i work a lot with andre and neil knows andre mm. from uh sheet aside yeah uh it's public info right that you yeah he is uh, yeah 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 okay. I so love andre. great Sheet's great guy yeah uh, andre's amazing guy he's my best friend and meet him almost every day we go to cafe and we drink coffee and he and he works really hard and he works on new projects now and uh I've been trying to slowly like work less, uh, you know, as Ray said, and uh, do more IRL stuff, like go, like I went climbing uh, this week, like bouldering was really fun. Um, and that sounds, re sounds really stupid because, you know, why would real life be a challenge? Well, it's a challenge for a kind of workaholic person to go uh, do stuff out of your comfort zone where you could fall down four meters, break your back. Uh, <laughs> You know, but you need to do those things, and I'm trying to do those things more. And um, yeah, sorry, it's kind of not an interesting answer, but um, I want. I, I feel I've the, yeah. The, 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 there might be more in the IRL. Can you explain to me what IRL stands in, for? It's something in, real life. In, 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 in real life. In real life. In real life. In real life. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because, because, because we because, use it as a verb, like IRLing. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because so, yes, so much this generation is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because what's irl gonna be what is, what even does it is it gonna mean but but what you mean by that is your it means your, not on the it means not on the, on the phone not on the screen yeah. yeah yeah because it's, we're always on the phone and computer so it's like irling is like you know out there and what does this count as <laughs> what does this, this conversation this, here is, count this as? is a little bit in the middle because it's social but it's still on the computer you know it's still yeah yeah still, uh, yeah irling is like i mean we go to the cafe anyway, drink coffee. That's not really, it's kind of IRL, but you know, you still bring your laptop. So that's not really, so it's kind of like, eh. but you know, going to a uh, real activity, going to, uh, I don't know, do some stuff, go hiking or whatever, you know, yeah. activities. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. Sorry, it's just so, yeah, yeah, we definitely need to do more of that. No, but I agree it's crazy, but it's like, uh, I don't even know, I don't think it's a generation thing even. It's just like. It's not, uh, well, it's to some extent it is for sure, but. Um, yeah, like I, kn- I know my mom and dad, they, they, they're IRLing all day. They're like gardening and working on the house. And then they check also the chats in the family group chat and stuff. But generally, and they read the news or something. But but yeah, for sure, everybody's all day on their phone. Like like, well, most on the computer working, and then and and then regular people are mostly on their phone these days, right? So I'm just it's, gonna uh... I'm gonna. I'm going to throw a few uh, more pointed questions at you, if, if it's okay, Peter, just before we, before yeah, we close yeah, yeah. out. I, I want to just acknowledge your dad for a second, actually, because you mentioned him earlier. And I heard you say somewhere that you got some advice from your dad, where if you ever feel down or depressed, then go to the garden and dig a big hole and then fill the hole in and then dig a big <laughs> hole again. I just wanted to acknowledge that and just give you a moment to talk to, to talk about him and 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 see if there's anything that uh, he or your mum has given you that's because you mentioned it earlier. You said there's something about having your own mind, uh, and I don't want us to miss that in the importance of the way that you think and how you've been able to apply you to the world. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like I said, I've, they've they've always taught us to think for ourselves to not trust the group opinion because it's often wrong, but it's very hard to go against a group because there's so many people, right? But all, but I do feel groups are usually delayed in their ideology because of the groups, because some in a group, something has to spread. So you're usually an early adopter if you're an individual, right? Like now nomad stuff, remote work is mainstream. So now the group is like, yeah, remote work is great. But like 10 years ago, they said remote work doesn't work. But individuals said, well, it works for me. You know what I mean? So I think I, by thinking for myself, I've, I'm, I think I do have a skill kind of like early adopter. I can see trends a little bit early. And I think it's because I think for myself. And I, um, I, I try practice radical honesty. So I try not lie. It's not, I'm not perfect, but I do my best. And that also gives you, if you're honest to other people, you also start being honest to yourself, like because you, your brain is constantly bullshitting yourself, right? Like you're mm. constantly trying to avoid stuff, and a lot of things that you think for yourself that are, and you think I'm weird because I think this thought, but then actually when you speak it out, often you know a lot of other people think the same thing, especially now with the internet, right? If you tweet something that's like outrageous there would be like hundred people somewhere else who are like, yeah, all over the world. Like, yeah, I actually have the same thing. Right. So this gives, it's a great time for early adopter kind of thinking because of internet. Um, because if you would say in your hometown, like, Oh, I love remote work. It's so good. Hometown would be like, nah, this is bullshit. <laughs> but because of internet, you could connect to a lot of other people in the world who yeah, might agree yeah, with you. Yeah. And then in ten years, the whole world agrees with you. So well, because you could go, yourself, you know, if you know, if you, if you not that long ago, if you were the the weirdo in your in your town, you could have really got really quite down on yourself because you were just thinking in a very different way to the people around you. You might have thought you're the only one, and you might have actually thought you really were a weirdo in the 
worst sense i i always tell my kids to hang out with weirdos so is it but you know yes yeah. but these days as you say the world is much flatter and you can find other weirdos well back then you would be persecuted by the church or burned, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. right witches yeah. and stuff in the medieval yeah. time so it it's so it's but this is interesting because it's ingrained in our biology that it's that you don't want to feel like an outcast you don't want to feel like a weirdo when being a weirdo and an outcast I mean, obviously not all the time, but it can be beneficial. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about how knowing what you want is a super skill. And I think that plays into what you're saying, because if most people don't know what they want, then they're going to just copy what everyone else is doing. If you know what you yeah. want, then people are more likely to follow and there's more likely to be creativity applied to that. It's a different mode. Totally. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and you see this on Twitter. Like, if you if you tweet something that everybody else tweets, you see this all the time. Like, uh, it doesn't take off. And if you tweet like what's radically honest in yourself, and you're an in interesting person, you're a unique person, then it takes off. Uh, first, you need to become a unique unique person. The same with CVs. My, you know, my son's been sending his CV around. He's looking for. For, for looking for work and you know and he's being advised to do it this way because this is the way you do a cv well you're just gonna look exactly the same as everybody else you know create your own version of a cv and then you never know somebody who is a little bit innovative might look at an innovative cv and go hang on this one's a bit more interesting ray i literally did this i went into photoshop i made my own visual graphic cv with like charts and colors yeah. and there you everything go. So, and I tried to make it into a business too, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we never, of course you did. Of course you we, did. We never touched on that. Actually, did did you ever actually have a proper job, Peter? Yeah, I worked in a call center for uh, ING for the banking, uh, Dutch banking company, and I. Uh, oh my god, it was so funny. Uh, I had to call existing customers. I had to call the ING bank customers and try upsell them insurance by the the sister company kind of but and i had to do this script and i got paid like i think five, five euros per hour or something and i would uh sit in this these islands office islands kind of with other people and uh had a headset and i had to do this whole script like uh, hello this is peter uh blah, blah blah and the script didn't work but you need to follow the script but the script <laughs> didn't really work nobody told anything <laughs> they're like why are you not saying anything so i started changing the script and this is interesting because this shows the it immediately starts getting low in ethics. So I started saying like uh, I started asking like how how do you do you do you like your ING uh, bank account like what do you have any problems with it like trying to make a relationship first? They're like yeah actually I have this is like, okay interesting well um, we can get a financial advisor to come to your house talk about it and you know also talk about about your personal insurance situation. <laughs> They're all like yeah great. <laughs> And then, and okay, let's do an appointment. And then bam, and I would go up in the charts of selling and I would be selling like 10 a day. And everyone's like, wow, what the fuck? And then they asked me my, like, what are you saying? And I'm like, I, sell, I say this to them and they're like, okay. So everybody started using my script. <laughs> and then the manager found out because they listen in, right? They found out after a month. I know what you're going to say. Like, I know what you're going to say. It's, oh, go on, go on. And, and then the manager was like, okay, boardroom, you need to all come into the meeting. And it's like 30 of these kids, right? Like 18 year old or something. And it's like, okay, you've all been changing the script and you've all been saying some random shit and it's causing us problems. And like, he was really angry. And who started oh. this? And 
<laughs> but I didn't say nobody nobody snitched me. But uh, <laughs> that was the thing. That's my that was my uh, main job. So, but that, I but, mean, but, I think but the it, but the outcome was you've got to get back to the script. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's unbelievable. How, how, my, my, my script it's was so a little bit dodgy, though. Yeah, but it, but but, that but with some time fine. you would have found the found the good yeah, script. Exactly. That was the right, whole yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, but this is this True. is the problem, really. And this is not about ING. It's not about call centers. It's just about this is the way we do things. I mean, I I, I was on the committee at the local Patonk Club, and it's the same. It's like no, no, no. We need to stick to the rules. I know, but the rules don't work that's not the point we need to stick to the rules and it's and it's just like going bang the yeah. head against the brick wall and it's just oh anyway I, sorry yeah a couple of other quick ones so i heard um somewhere when you were talking about automation uh making more time and i i i think there was a question around um so if you, if you had no time and you didn't have anything on, what would you do? And, and I think your answer was, I'd go back to art projects. Um, yeah. How are you thinking about that now? H how are you thinking about your time in art and what art means to you? Yeah, I mean, art is kind of pretentious for it. I mean, I guess more creativity and stuff. Um, I, I think the web now is in a way, it's, you know, like the word multimedia, it was like a big word in the 90s and i think it's still an accurate word it's like the web is like multimedia it's 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 visuals you know sometimes audio video it's everything it's interactive uh, and in a way it's like the coolest art form um uh like like inflationchart.com it's it's a little bit maybe a little bit like art project because it's it challenges the existing status quo of the government and stuff it's visual um and it doesn't make money but um it's a little bit of a, yeah it's a creative product pretty kind of and like you could make graphic art now i guess you could sell those nfts again but it, graphic arts is so limited it's so like static and like you know um youtubers are are in a way like artists they're, they're very creative mm -hmm. they're making all these cool videos and explaining videos and stuff um so we we know we normally start this podcast with the question um how do you describe yourself to people so when you meet somebody new and they ask that horrible question, yeah. what do you do? How do you answer it? How, how do you actually um, answer that question today? It's so funny because in the beginning, you, you're, it's so cool. Like you, you talk to taxi drivers and they ask what you do. And you, you this whole fucking story about, you know, it's nomads and it's like this website. So it's ranks. And then there's a community and then there's like meetups and blah, blah, blah. And it's too much. So now I just say like, I make a kind of like a travel website and I make a job remote, a job board for work from home. Because that's, that works with regular people. They understand immediately. And, you know, like work from home is like, yeah. But um, I guess would I you, start, would, make would you ever, startups. Would you ever describe yourself or think of yourself as an artist? No, because artists is not like... If you're a real artist, it's not about money, right? It's it's about uh, constantly challenging everything, challenging yourself, challenging the the the, the society. And but, you, but yours isn't about isn't that where you're at? Yours isn't about money. From I I, I guess it, it seems it, it's not now anyway. Well, I charge money, right? Like yeah, no but artists charge money. Charge money. It, 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 yeah, uh, I would I would I would prefer creative. Artist like Banksy's artist, right? He's he, that's like 
always challenging and stuff. Um, I think that's real, real art. Yeah. Okay. You know, but but it's, it's but, it's, but it's, I, I you're a creative. It is definitely kind of something artistic. It's creative. Yeah, it's artistic, creative, and I think that's that's uh, what I like. And um, what's what's the what what makes it really fun? And yeah, are you still carrying your laptop around in a carrier bag, Peter? <laughs> Actually, this, is, this changed because of Andre. Andre, he couldn't take it anymore. That I <laughs> Please tell me that he bought you a, a laptop. He bag. bought me a, he oh, bought he did, me he a bought backpack. <clears throat> but I didn't like this backpack because it's some low and it was too hard. So I was like, Andre, I don't like your gift. He's like, thank you for being radically honest. I said, okay. And he, he, then he got it. And then I just ordered uh, a good Minal backpack. And um, But uh, yeah, it was... Um, it's, Grocery bags are great. I was considering also making that a business, like <laughs> laptop grocery bags, because uh, it's kind of cool. It's kind of like a fashion statement. You well, know, I, so. I, I have to say, I have to admit that I have my grocery bags from Amsterdam um, mm. that I use all the time because you can carry them over your shoulder, not not the plastic bags that you carry in your hand. They're, uh, they're... What do you call them? The girls always have these bags. Um, Tote bags. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's Tote right. Bag. Yeah. But yeah. That's, they're great because when you've emptied all your stuff out of your bag, you can put it in your pocket. You can't do that with a rucksack. Yeah. But when, when you I were... think there's something. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. There's something cool about a grocery bag because it forced you also to be minimal. This backpack feels, again, a little bit like corporate. Like you're going to the, you know, like in London, you always have suits with backpacks and it's such a, like, ah, like going to the, going to HSBC office and stuff. And, who the, who the fuck goes with a grocery bag? Like, it's kind of like a statement, you know? It's uh, obviously having a MacBook in a grocery bag is just as much as a <laughs> statement as a, as a Louis Vuitton bag, right? It's just a different statement. It's like, look, I don't give a fuck. Uh, it's, yeah. Yeah, I it's like be- it. It's better than, it's probably better than having a grocery laptop in an Apple bag though, isn't it? So. Yeah, 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 true, yeah. Okay, my, my last question, I think. Um, you talk about uh, so you you don't intend to ever buy a house. Um, you you're well, trying to you be can never you can you can never, never say, say never. The future, right? It's like yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. But but you're you're minimalist. You're um, you're trying not to make things about um, money particularly. And I'm what I think about is what 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 are your vices what what is it that you're going i really do want that thing but i'm not gonna let myself have it and i wondered whether the backpack might have fallen into that category instantly i really want to like a two cats and a dog uh because my ex-girlfriend had two cats and they were really cute and i want a dog but then i have to walk the dog so it's kind of like i need to be kind of settled down in portugal or something so maybe um um I don't even like cars, like maybe a Tesla. But I don't even have a driver's license, so I can't even <laughs> drive a Tesla. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I, I, I only like, like I buy a MacBook, I buy an iPhone. I don't even like a DSLR camera because it's too much. Like every device you buy, you have to charge it, right? Like I have a Kindle, I never use it. I always have to charge it. It's like, um, I, I really like spending on... Um, like for example, now I spend on like a, like a kind of hotel apartment kind of place here, which I'm in the living room now. There's a bedroom. It's really nice, nice view, um, like service kind of apartment. Um, and it costs like it costs a little bit more than a than a Amsterdam apartment you would rent. Like it's uh, quite expensive. It's like three k a month, 
but it's you don't have a water pipe leaking and you don't have uh, shit breaking. It's just it's kind of like a serviced thing, kind of furnished, serviced, and it's really nice. That's stuff I like to spend money on. Like uh, it's it's more like an experience, you know, to live somewhere nice and um, so, so it, it, air it, it and bank. Yeah, it, it creates you time. It, it frees up time because you're not doing. Yeah, I think that's why it's worth it. And yeah, and like, like outside the air in Bangkok is now quite bad. It's like 120 AQI, I think, and inside is filtered air. I have a sensor and it's like AQI one, so the air is really good. That kind of stuff is uh, like hell. Oh yeah, actually steak, like um, organic meat, organic vegetables. Uh, when I have a kitchen, I like to cook and I like to buy uh, good ingredients because uh, I think it's important for health, like, you know, microplastics and stuff. And, and for, I don't like farmed meat. It's like not nice for the animal, but that's definitely like um, nice to spend money on. It's, it's again, just like spending money on experiences and not on stuff because stuff, it gets, you get used to it so fast. Like you buy a new thing and within a week you're used to it. Mm. Uh, I bought this t-shirt four days ago and now I'm like, I'm still in the happy mode. Like this is a nice new t-shirt. <laughs> But I was going to say, days, I really I'll like be... your T-shirt. Thank you. <laughs> but in a few days, I'm like, yeah, who cares? So things really, I've proven that things really don't make me happy. And, you know, home ownership, a new house makes you happy. But then after six months, you're the same. Marriage, after 12 months, you feel the same. Uh, a car, you know, three to six months, feel the same. You know, so I think this is absolutely proven now. And unless it's an object that you can use for an experience, like if you're... Mm. A, a good uh, guitarist you need a good guitar you know if you're starting out maybe buy a cheap guitar but it's, it's something you use that makes you happy and you know buy a nice pen to write with or something but uh, you you see in asia especially because there's so many malls you see how much stuff is produced in china and stuff and how much like perfume and um bags and all these bluetooth speakers and this and that and all these stuff like it, it's it's absolutely we're in a consumerist addicted culture that again is same with alcohol like people are bored not happy with their life and then you start buying shit to make you happy you start filling up your house with stuff with like you have all these people mm. these tech people they always buy these lights these purple blue lights yeah, yeah. for their home like and i did i know these people and they always also have the the, the special keyboards and they have the laptop stand and they're like they're work is not about their work it's about their they're obsessed with making this room so perfect which is nice but it's also like not my thing it's like all about stuff and then it never stops you always need to buy more like oh i need to collect my cables into a cable tube like okay but you know what i mean like having just a macbook forces you to and just a backpack forces you to to limit it and you, you cannot buy more because you have to carry everything and that's i think a really good benefit yeah create create creative constraints we, we talk about this a lot 100%. on the podcast it comes up all the time actually but the the importance of having constraints either either you put the constraints in yourself or you just value the constraints rather than trying to push the constraints away 100 percent. and constraints make you make you unique and uh when i was making music i had a really shitty computer to make music on and i would just it was too slow so i didn't i couldn't use all the channels i had to use like only one drum kit or something in the channel and um and then my music became successful i was on bbc radio one i was on one extra uh playlisted and then i was like let's buy let's use this money i got the royalties 
I got registered at uh, the British uh, royalty agency. And then I used that money to buy a new computer. And it was like the you know best spec out computer. And I could have mil- infinite audio channels on it. And I think my music became worse from then. Mm-hmm. It was more uh, real with the constraint of a shitty computer. And uh, on this new one, I could do anything. And I it was not, you know. So I think this is a real, real thing. And I think if you're honest with yourself, life is about experiences, about friends, about relationships, about meaningful work, about exercise, uh, foods, being healthy and stuff. And if you prioritize those things i think you 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 care less about stuff because mm-hmm. you know it's less it doesn't make you happy and you don't need it because you don't need a drug or an addiction or or an extrinsic uh thing to fill your dopamine it's all about dopamine serotonin and, and oxytocin and stuff right these hormones and um you need a good swim in some cold sea yeah, or, or a hot bath is also nice. <laughs> or a bath. Yeah, I don't yeah like exactly. <laughs> I'm not into this whole bath, Wim Hof uh, Dutch guy uh, method, but I take I take hot baths a lot, and I love hot baths. And uh, sauna is nice. And uh, um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. And and home ownership is more interesting because uh, I track the home prices and stuff, and I know what's going on. And and even with leverage of a mortgage. I think it's it, it could even be more beneficial to just put all your money uh, in ETFs, in diverse market index funds, like for Vanguard sure, and stuff. For sure. I think um, academically or mathematically, 100%. But I think there's that yeah. other side, which is back to where it's we emotional. started in the conversation. Yeah, exactly. It's back to what, what do you need around you? What are our kind of instinctive needs? And that yeah. sense of place. Um, there is yeah. a whether that's whether that has to be manifested in a thing you own i don't know but but a sense yeah, that's, of that, really yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that the, the market is going to move towards more of that being in a rental airbnb apartment experience for like upper middle class if you can afford it for tech workers and stuff and but i do understand the romance of like buying a piece of land in portugal on the coast and uh putting the foundations in and building a house and um uh, like I, I see my dad do it every day. So um, there's a, if you don't see it as an investment thing for sure. And mm. um, yeah, but then there's also this nice feeling to have all your money on your, you know, on your iPhone, in your broker app uh, and a backpack and, you know, it's all in the market and um, yeah, it's all virtual. There, there's something good and bad about it. Something cool and not cool. And obviously if you do this minimalist, you're dependent actually on society to function properly. If the apocalypse happens, you're fucked because your yeah, broker right. app's not going to work, internet's yeah. not going to work, electricity's not going to work. And if you have a house, you know you can defend the house. You can, and that's absolutely valid uh, counter argument, I think. And hmm. um, obviously, minimalism is it's like a rich man, rich man or woman's hobby, right? It's like a, it's not. If you if you don't have the resources, you cannot be minimalist. It's uh, it's pretentious in a way, but I don't do it for pretentious reasons. I do it, yeah, just because it fits me. I think. Mm. Uh, we would normally at this point say, "Where do you want people to find you?" But I'm wondering whether you actually do want people to find you. So I'm, I'm going to ask you if you want me to ask the question. 
Yeah, just, yeah. So I'm on Twitter a lot, like mostly twitter.com slash levels, L-E-V-E-L-S-I-O, um, levels.io. And that's where I tweet a lot. And uh, my, my main websites are nomadlist, nomadlist.com, uh, remoteok.com. And my new immigration service, if you want to move to Portugal, is rebase.co, so .co. Uh, what else? Inflationchart.com, where I ch- track inflation pretty much but it's all in my twitter bio so you can find it there yeah cool. so i'm hoping that we're all going to go off and do some irling i'll message andre i am i'm off to do some irling and i never gonna, knew i was going to do that so i'm going to go do some irling as well yeah <laughs> yeah Fantastic. okay okay yeah yeah this is like life coach okay i'll go irl too <laughs> <laughs> would you um would you say hello to andre for me please and say uh, yes yes for sure say yeah. say about how he featured in our conversation which he'll he'll appreciate i'm sure yeah and we'll see him in Magaluf. we always joke <laughs> yeah yeah that's <laughs> right we'll <laughs> Neil, we always joke because uh, uh, during the acquisition, um, I think once you went to Legoland and we were always joking like, oh, Neil's always in Legoland. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like a meme kind of. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm going to, I should go no, to Legoland. No, because you're, you're really, no, but you're, you're really, I think like IRL and family focused and it's a really good trade to have. And uh, and Andre was like, oh, I need to, because Andre has so much stress. He was like, because he's Ukrainian. I think it's like, he never trusts anything to properly work because it in Ukraine doesn't work properly. And he was like, this thing is going to fall through and blah, blah, blah. And he wanted to get it done as fast as possible, you know? And, and you were like, yeah, I'm in Legoland now. And it was the, <laughs> the, the you know, the two things that, like, he's like stressing about, he wants to get the money and he's in Legoland, like chilling. And it's like, it was so beautiful meme, you know, like. <laughs> I think, I think I can even remember texting him from Legoland, but feeling a little yeah. bit of stress because I was thinking, oh man, I, but I also felt like I wanted to do the right thing by him as well. It's really, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you did, you did super proper and uh, it's just really funny. Like funny meme neil from legoland oh that's great i'm gonna make yeah. my <laughs> also you should if you haven't done it already go and get slow um uh, slowmadlist.com yes because that's good that's point. clearly going to be yeah. your next thing or someone's going to make it yeah i think rebase rebase is kind of like slow mad list yeah yeah so, well it's becoming it maybe that's what it gets rebranded to it yeah maybe rebrand yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. cool yeah so, thanks so much for having me it was really oh man it's been great i really love to you loved it yeah yeah yeah. thanks thanks peter we got them in the, well I'll, I'll drop you a note on telegram when we're ready to put it out it'll probably be a couple of weeks or something sure man yeah it was really 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 neil it was really really good questions really you're really smart and uh yeah it's really cool thanks man yeah we loved it that's it folks show notes head over to the website at www.lifedonedifferent.ly where you'll find links, a quick summary, and you can also explore other conversations. If you're enjoying this podcast, then please tell your friends, give us a good rating, and remember to subscribe. We're also really keen to hear your feedback, so please do let us know what you think and give us your ideas over on Twitter. You can tweet us at lifedonediff, that's double F. 